Mia Boyles, Misa Jaja Pinks, Misa no, 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 we're not doing a Jar Jar commercial. There's no way. Oh. Jar Jar. Just, just read the ad copy. Oh, all right. Well. Jets Toy Hut. We are collectors as well, so we know what the customer expects. The best zero movement packing and shipping online. We never just toss a collectible into a shipping box. All orders are packed secure using packing peanuts, bubble wrap, air pillows, or packaging paper. We also have the largest selection of Star Wars collectibles in stock on Amazon.com and Amazon.co.uk. We now have seven sizes of custom toy hut boxes and never pack a collectible loose. Zero movement. That's what we're all about. Toyhut.com. All too easy. One. One episode about Vlad the Impaler. <laughs> I'm Torn Atkinson. Vlad Tepes has the worst taste in dinner theater. I'm Kevin Leeson. After researching this episode, I don't think it's fair that Dracula only gets staked in the heart. I'm Joe Fulgham, and this is... Caustic Soda! Hey guys. What, yeah. Torn? You know what we've been neglecting to do? Quality podcasting? Impale people? We've been neglecting to thank our hardworking interns oh. for helping us to research these episodes. That's a good oh, point. Yeah. So I'd like to take this. I think I just did it, but I'd like to take this opportunity to thank them again. I think that would qualify under quality podcasting is thanking the people who help you. Yes. Mm-hmm. So perfect. I was right. All right. Well, let's talk about Vlad the Impaler. Oh, we are going to talk about Impaler. Yes. Dracula? Yes. Dracula. Or the guy that Dracula's based on, I guess. Yeah, we'll get into that. Okay. To impale comes from Middle Latin impalare, to push onto a stake from the assimilated form of in and palace, meaning pole. That makes perfect sense. Now, what kind of life or what kind of world do you live in where you need to make a word that means to push somebody on a stake? (laughs) Hey, we're doing this so much. We should really make its own word to describe that, because I'm tired of saying, push those guys on that stake. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So now when I say impale them, that's what I mean. And do you guys know what the word Transylvania means? Uh, Across Ilvania? Close. Very close. uh, I don't know what Vania means. But you know what Sylvania means. Oh, uh, Sylvanous Forest. So across the forestania? Land beyond the forest. Oh, oh look at that. Okay. Transylvania. I'm huh. not as dumb as I look. <laughs> and Vlad's moniker of Zepish uh-huh. means impaler, and oh. it is actually attached to his name posthumously. So he's never known oh. as Vlad Tepish before, uh, before he died. Yes. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. So it, that's his street cred. Yes, that's his exactly. rap. Exactly. You know, nowadays uh, we got guys named G Money and uh, and and. <laughs> And Puffy Combs, and yeah. uh, this was the mid- mid- Dark Ages version of that. I'd like to be called the Impaler, but for entirely different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> His real name was Vladislaus III. Mm-hmm. He was level 30. He was lawful evil. <laughs> was he, wait, he was lawful evil? 
Yes, he was okay. absolutely lawful evil. Okay. Yeah. And uh, he had a charisma of 17 and a constitution of 18 double zero. <laughs> Even though Wait, constitution doesn't 18, normally have right, that's, double zeros. That's from his his vampiric powers. <laughs> yeah. It gave him the double zero. I think it's just from uh, eating in front of a bunch of impaled people, which we'll, we'll talk about as well. But yeah, mm-hmm. he could certainly yeah. stomach <laughs> a lot of horrible things because he did them. <laughs> he was born in Transylvania in 1431. Okay. His father was Vlad II, a member of the Order of Dra- of the Dragon. That's the Dracul? That is the Dracul. Okay. Oh. Draco, of course, means dragon. So he was uh, Dracul, and Dracula means son of you, the dragon. Do you think that's where the uh, you know colloquial, hey, man, that's cool, came from? Dracul? Mm-hmm. It's not just yeah. cool, it's Dracul. Dracul. Yeah, we shortened it in recent now decades. I'm wondering why nobody has really played up that side of it in in fiction. You know, the the Dracula yeah. dragon uh, connection that would be really interesting to see. Well, the Order of the Dragon was a chivalric order, uh, requiring its initiates to defend the cross and fight the enemies of Christianity, in particular the Ottoman Turks. I feel a TM coming on that whole like uh, Dracula son of the dragon thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw I'm gonna TM. Yes. You're not exactly sure what you're TMing, yeah, but he's I, just gonna throw it out there for yeah, safety. I'm gonna ruminate on sure. it later. Is this time time for the next comic. Yeah. And Vlad uh, the second was initiated into the order when he was five. Okay. Okay. All right. I guess things were early. You know, they didn't have uh, government set up schools. Yeah. You, know, you didn't have grades to get through and graduate. <laughs> you initiated into chivalric orders. It was just like you look like you're big enough to hold a sword. I guess when you here, like, take one. this and defend against the Ottomans. When you die uh, die of old age at 37, you know you kind of get get started earlier in life, right? Now, some notes on geography, because this will be important. My my mission here is not to bog this down with a lot of dates and names of people who are just kind of associated with uh, with Vlad the Impaler, so I'm, I'm going mm. kind of breeze through a lot of uh, facts. <laughs> His, your facts, your figures, what are worth now? And I should point out that some of the stories may or may not be true. Um, a lot of the information comes from various pamphlets that were in Germany and Romania after his rule. Right. So there's mm. certain stories that I'll, I'll, I'll talk about some of the more caustic or notable stories. Right. Um, but I think everything about this historical figure should be taken with a grain of salt. And when we get to the pop culture, there should be whole piles and piles <laughs> of salt. Yeah. So this is your, your, the, we're going to call this the, uh, the Rasputin uh, disclaimer. Sure. Right? Yeah. That a lot of what we're recounting here might have been written by people who may not have been a fan of his. Yeah. That guy charged, charged way too much in taxes. Therefore, we're going to talk about how he impaled everybody. Is, is that what we're talking about? Like it might have been um, something like along those lines. Geography. Wallachia and Transylvania are both parts of modern day Romania. Mm-hmm. Transylvania in the north and Wallachia in the south. Okay. Above them, that is to say north, is Hungary. They were mm-hmm. not really friends at the time. Hungary and... Uh, Transylvania. And Romania, yeah. Mm-hmm. South of Wallachia was Turkey and the Ottoman Empire. Right. This was r- ruled by a sultan, and their religion was Islam. Right. Whereas Romania was Christian. Yeah, and they were uh, the Ottomans were particularly, like, rampagey and stabby. Yeah, they had quite the empire mm-hmm. around those days. Yeah, in the 1400s, 1500s, they were uh, particularly well-suited to rampaging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And lounging <laughs> on, the, on very small couches, yeah, small very couches, small couches. Yeah. So in 1436, Vlad II, Dracul, Dracula's father, right. became king of Wallachia. He was ousted six years later by factions in league with Hungary. Okay. Vlad II, 
secured Ottoman support for his return to the throne by agreeing to pay money to the Sultan and also send his two legitimate sons, Vlad III, that's our hero, mm -hmm. our, our anti-hero as the case may be, and Vlad's brother Radu, okay. to the Ottoman court to serve as hostages of his loyalty. He says, all right, you give me some armies and some guns and yeah. some horses and whatever I need to get rid of the Hungarians who ousted me. Mm -hmm. And in return, you can hold on to my sons as collateral. Yeah. Yeah. I think just basically securing the throne. Yeah. Don't come over here and kill us. Right. I'll give you my two sons. As a down payment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was when Vlad was 13. So whereas Radu was easily controlled and converted to Islam. Oh. Vlad was a bit of a troublemaker. <laughs> this uh, this may, in fact, be when Vlad became evil. Oh, okay. All right. During this time. During this time in the Ottoman. When <laughs> if he, was... he wasn't born evil, it was the was fact that his father traded him to the, uh, to the Turks. Right. And right. Uh, he had to he might have been, be brought up. He might have been maltreated by uh, the Turks. Uh, well, he was educated and trained in warfare in Turkey. Okay. So he mm -hmm. knew their tactics. All right. And he learned about uh, the value of public execution. There's an inherent value to public execution? If you're a leader. <laughs> okay. In the 1500s, yes. And uh, so wait, the, uh, the inherent value of public executions is fear? fear. Right. Okay. Fear and intimidation. Yeah. Uh, we could call it a deterrent, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, he took a wife. He had two sons. Uh, apart from a legend that his first wife jumped from the castle tower to her death in the river below, uh, we in this podcast will probably never hear of these people again. Okay. We'll just throw that out there. That right. Good. <laughs> Good. Screw okay. those people. Because yeah. they're not nearly as evil. Although I believe one of his sons was called something something the bad. Oh, okay. So. I would still rather go drinking with the bad than with the impaler. Yeah. <laughs> Only the good die young, according to Billy Joel. <laughs> yeah. So then Vlad returns to Wallachia. In 1447, Vlad II, uh, our hero's dad, is murdered by Hungarian agents. Okay. To prevent Wallachia from becoming part of Hungary, the Ottomans put the 16-year-old Vlad on the throne. Gotcha. We'll, we'll call this his first reign. Okay. okay. Uh, so how, he 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 just like like peed off of a rooftop, and everybody was like, "It's raining. Yeah, it's this pouring." Is his first rain. That's his first rain. Golden showers. Yeah. Uh, however, there was a power struggle, and Va Vlad the Third lost the throne to a Hungarian and was exiled. Okay. And now in the same year, so it happened very quickly. Um, I believe it was pretty quick. Okay. In 1456, Vlad, now 25, led his so, own contingent into Wallachia. So like eight years later reconquered his native land, and killed the Hungarian usurper in hand-to-hand -hand combat. What? That is awesome. Yeah. This is actually like, the, he, like out of a video game. They're like the bosses <laughs> going head-to-head -head yeah. on each other, right? Yeah, Vlad the Impaler is not the kind of leader who does not get his hands dirty in battle. Right. Okay. That is shown time and time again. As right. he's, he's not Vlad the guy who orders impaling. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Although he, he certainly like, did that. Oh, so he actually goes toe-to-toe. -to -toe. But yeah. maybe it was one of those sham hand-to-hand -hand battles, though, where yeah, they like... They, they went five guys. Yeah, hold them down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or they just, they stormed into the throne room, and he's sitting there in his robes, going, "Oh, hey, Vlad, throne's yours!" And he's just like, "Oh, hey, you're there in your throne, in your robes, and I'm here in my armor with my sword. Uh, let's go mano a mano yeah. here at this particular point in time no, with wait, only these spiked garments. <laughs> yeah, perhaps like a hand-to-hand -hand assassination. So this begins his second reign. This this time he's making it rain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> Rated blood. And Vlad spends this time fortifying his kingdom. Right, because uh, he got ousted way too easily last time around. So he's like, screw this, never going to let that happen again. So here comes one of the famous stories about Vlad the Impaler. Okay. Okay. He invites the old aristocrats called boyars to a feast and wines and dines them. Is this where Chef Boyardee came from? Boyardee. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, there 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 were like four of them. There's Chef Boyar-A. Chef Boyar-C. Chef Boyar-B. Chef Boyar C, and then Chef Boyar D. And Chef Boyar D always showed up with like small containers full of very tasty pasta dishes. He was the most popular. The older Boyars and their families were impaled on the spot. Oh, okay. The older boy, A through C. That's yeah, why D's exactly. the only one left. The younger and healthier nobles and their families were marched to the ruins of his castle in the mountains. There they were forced to labor for months rebuilding the old castle with materials from a nearby ruin. They labored until their clothes fell off their bodies and then were forced to continue working naked. Very few survived this ordeal. So, hold on. So these were the guys who were the noble the nobility uh, from even his first reign. Yeah, the, he, they had been around for decades. So... They were around for during his first reign, and then he got kicked out. Yeah. And then the Hungarians moved in. They went, okay, new king, but what do we care? We're still nobles. Yeah, exactly. Right. So we'll just you know do our noble thing. He blamed the boyars for a lot of the weakness in his country. Oh, and maybe perhaps a little bit on him getting kicked out the first time around. Almost definitely. <laughs> so this is where the impaling in his career really starts to begin. So yeah. he's only a smattering of impaling yeah. before this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's pretty much wiped out the entire nobility class he in was before country. He was the Vlad the jerk face, Vlad the asshole, <laughs> yeah. and then he became Vlad the impaler around right. this time. Okay. He kind of went overboard on a strict moral code of conduct in his kingdom. This is why I say he's lawful evil. Okay. Mm. All right. Let's hear it. Uh, for the crime of adultery, you would be skinned and exposed in the village square. Wow. Mm, okay. I was going to go with castrated, but... But skin, that's even more evil. All right, late, late on. If you were lazy, your hands would be cut off and you'd be impaled. Oh, my wait, God. Wait, hold on. There's a punishment for lazy? Yep. I would that's not funny. have survived. <laughs> I Oh, wow. This is the most frightening thing I've ever heard now, personally, <laughs> because that's, I just, wow. It would be like the government passing a law against lazy that would actually result in prison time. Yeah, but then you could just get to hang out in the prison. And, and be lazy. Be lazy. <laughs> Lift weights if you want. It'd but, make yeah. you break rocks, though. God damn it. Uh, yeah. Vlad Dracul was known, th- uh, Dracula, sorry, was known throughout his land for his fierce insistence on honesty and order. Thieves seldom dared practice their trade within his domain, for they knew that the stake awaited any who were caught. The stake. Yes. You know what? When I go out for a stake, that's not, <laughs> that's not generally <laughs> what I'm thinking of. Vlad was so confident in the effectiveness of his, this law that he placed a golden cup on display at the center square of Turgoviste, the capital city. The cup was never stolen and remained entirely unmolested throughout Vlad Dracula's reign. <laughs> wow, that is actually pretty awesome. So here's another famous story. The Ottoman Sultan sends two envoys to collect an overdue tax. Okay. So it's these basically are basically the peace tax. Right. Okay. So these are this is the Ottoman Empire. So this yeah. is, these are the guys that held him for ransom for like his entire teenage years. Yeah, it wasn't really held for ransom, but he was just there. He was there. A, he, was a he, was a, he was insurance. Right. Yeah, he was insurance. And then they're the ones who put him back on the throne, but then yeah. he got booted by the Hungarians and then he went back after raising his own army. And the Ottomans are now saying, "Dude, you owe us yeah. to not invade yeah. you." So he sends these two guys over 
to collect this tax. Okay, got it. Uh, when in the presence of the prince, they refused to remove their turbans as it was against their custom to do so. Mm-hmm. Right, because they were is, uh, Muslim. Yeah, Muslim instead of uh, the Christian that Vlad still was. Vlad ordered that the hats be nailed to their heads with oh. a bunch of tiny nails. Okay. Such that they should never have to remove them again. Okay. okay. And they died. Ah, so perhaps they weren't tiny enough. Perhaps <laughs> yeah. the nails. I think thumbtacks might have worked. Yeah. You know, only yeah. get into the actual skull. Of course, they'd get infected, but. That's pretty so that's evil. evil. That's pretty evil. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then Vlad goes with his forces into Turkey and starts killing people indiscriminately. Oh. He basically starts to invade. Uh, right. The, the Danube River is basically what ser- separates uh, Turkey from the uh, Transylvania or Wallachia, I should mm-hmm. say. So there's a bunch of skirmishes along that river. The most notable being the night attack, as it's called, where Vlad attacked the Turkish camp in the night in an attempt to kill the Sultan Mehmed. The assassination attempt failed, and Mehmed marched to the Wallachian capital of Targoviste, where he discovered another 20,000 impaled Turks and Bulgarians, demoralized the Sultan, and his troops retreated. So they, uh, uh, they marched an army, but the army was so taken aback by this forest of the impaled right yeah 20,000 impaled people yeah that they went uh, he's he's so loco <laughs> yeah I got a better idea let's not go in there let's not F with this guy yeah. like uh, well basically you know Vlad kind of had to be sort of crazy to poke the giant Ottoman Empire bear anyway right like he did it had to be yeah. kind of bonkers yeah. to like go to this massive empire from his tiny little nation state and uh, and go, I'm going to raid and pillage indiscriminately and actually try and assassinate the sultan yeah, himself. Yeah, which the pope was all, totally behind all everything that Vlad did. Well, you know, the pope's been Italy. <laughs> He's like, hey, Vlad, good job, buddy. Keeping those Islams. Yeah, good, good work. Uh, and also, Vlad developed kind of biological warfare. He was sending subjects disguised as Turks who were stricken with infectious disease to live among the armies in their camps. Oh, that is oh, really, really clever. Yeah. That is really ridiculously evilly clever. This guy's like, uh, you know, a really, really, really early version of Saddam Hussein. Did Saddam Hussein do that? Well, he used in, like chemical weapons against right, uh, yeah. right. his enemies, right? So now comes the return of Radu, his brother. Vlad's brother Radu was given the task of leading the Ottoman Empire to victory at any expense. Radu and his well-equipped forces finally besieged Puneri Castle, which was the famed lair of Vlad. So this is the Ottomans went back to their the empire Ottomans, yeah. and went, okay, screw this. We're not dealing with this guy anymore. He's Send too crazy. Brother. We've converted his brother to, to Islam. Islam. Yeah. He'll go take over because he's, he's his younger brother. So he's got just as much right to the throne as Vlad does. Exactly. Put him on the throne and then we'll have a great little puppet government. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This sounds like the perfect plan, and if there's trouble, it's just going to be a bunch of uh, Transylvanians killing, <laughs> killing other Transylvanians. Other. Well, he did have the the you know the Ottoman Empire army with him, right? Right, but this is like primarily Transylvanian on Transylvanian violence. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, that sounds like a no lose plan for the Ottomans. I, I'm pretty sure if I were the Sultan, and in my own mind, I already am. Yes. <laughs> Sultan Hagasaurus. This is exactly what I would have done strategically. Okay. All right. Um, So let's see how it works out. Well, there was a bunch of fighting, Mm -hmm. but Vlad ran out of money to pay his mercenaries, and he had to flee to Hungary. Ooh. Uh, His former ally there arrested him and had him thrown into the dungeon for high treason. 
Now, this was basically a scam as uh, Matthias Corvinus, the king of Hungary, had spent the money the Pope sent him for the war effort on personal expenses, <laughs> and he forged a letter in the name of Vlad and sent it to the Ottomans proposing peace. So now you got a dude who, like, embezzled all of his Christian war money. That's right. And uh, probably had a pretty nice party. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're bringing up here's Puff Daddy. We're coming full circle. He like had a Puff Daddy style Hamptons white yeah. party for like a year, and then uh, forged a letter from Vlad saying, "Hey man, let's kiss and make up." Put Vlad in jail so he couldn't like say yep. that he didn't take exactly. the money. Exactly. Yeah. And probably said the Pope, "Hey Vlad, he spent it. It's done." Now, in uh, one of the Russian narratives, uh, which are normally very favorable to Vlad, because really Transylvania and Romania, they basically still regard him as kind of a hero right. of oh, the okay. people, even despite all the appealing, just because he was trying to, you know, he's trying to defend his land against the Turks and all this other right. stuff. And he was right. trying to, you know, even though he was fucked up in the head, he, you know, law and order kind of a guy. It was there kind was... of the Romanian cultural lesser of two evils. I guess so, yeah. It was. Okay, we got Vlad, who he's a Romanian guy who's impaling a ton of people, but he's not the Ottomans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? If they impaled us, they wouldn't say sorry at the end. Yeah. It's like, that's... So the Russian narrative indicates that even in captivity, he could not give up his favorite pastime. He often captured birds and mice and proceeded to torture and mutilate them. <laughs> Some were beheaded or tarred and feathered and released... Most were impaled on tiny spears. So he's, so he's like Dexter, the uh, leader of a country. And... He enjoys his miniature impaling. <laughs> this is, okay, this is pretty awesome. This is a pretty awesome part of the story. Like, if he a hadn't... forest of tiny birds like <laughs> impaled on toothpicks. It kind of hints that he, it wasn't just him going, well... We're really going to have to do something yeah. horrible to keep these guys out. So yeah. Well, you got to keep know, in practice. I know how yeah. bad this is, but impale a bunch of people so they all get demoralized when they see yeah. them. He, it wasn't that. It was no. him like going, I really like impaling, and it'll be useful. A bonus, bonus side effect yeah. the Ottomans will retreat because they'll think I'm crazy, which I'm totally not. So 12 years later, uh -huh. Radu dies. Oh, so Radu has actually been on the throne for twelve for twelve years. years, yeah. And okay. Vlad has been in captivity for twelve years. Basically, yeah, he's been he's been hanging Under out. House he was, yeah, he wasn't necessarily in prison all that time. But he, was he was treated more or less well, but he yeah, you know, Look, house put, arrest is a good way to put, put it. Vlad in a villa and just lock the door <laughs> so you can't get outside. <laughs> yeah. He can impale as many pet birds as he likes. So they probably found a castle that's up on the top of a, a cliff covered mountain with one winding path yeah. up yeah, to right. it. It's very dark. There's not a lot of light it's hard to get it's to there's always a village stormy it's just one small village down at the bottom <laughs> yeah. you know i could see how that could be what happened and perhaps they left all the peasants outside the castle walls with flaming brands and torches yeah. to make sure that vlad didn't attempt an escape exactly so now the king of hungary is worried about the ottoman empire threat and he sends vlad back to reconquer Wallachia. this is 1476 so really these two brothers were kind of just the two more powerful nations on either side of them this is like schoolyard bullies again. Yeah, I guess so. We mentioned this a couple of times in our Vietnam War episode. Yeah, you guys go fight for us. So you got you got the royal family of Transylvania, and they're kind of the scrawny guy on the playground. And you got the two great big bullies on either yeah. side saying, hey, you go fight that bully. He's like, uh, he kind of kicked the crap out of me the last time I fought him. Who cares? Go do it again, or else I'm going to kick the crap out of you. And P.S. It's your brother. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So we'll call this the third reign. All right. This is the third and final reign, people. Third time's a charm? Two months in, Vlad Dracula was killed in battle against the Turks near Bucharest. 
Oh, okay. So shortest reign. Two months. Some reports indicate that he was assassinated by disloyal Valachian boyars just as he was about to sweep the Turks from the field. Okay. That seems uh, particularly complimentary to his abilities on the field of battle. Other accounts have him falling in defeat surrounded by the ranks of his loyal Moldavian bodyguard. Still other reports claim that Vlad, at the moment of victory, was accidentally struck down by one of his own men. The one undisputed fact is that ultimately his body was decapitated by the Turks and his head sent to Constantinople where the Sultan had it displayed on a stake as proof that the horrible Impaler was finally dead. Oh, okay. Beheaded and sent to... Yeah. You know, honestly, if you gotta go, that's a hell of a way to go. The fact that your enemy thinks highly enough of you to display your head on a pike... Mm-hmm. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. If if I uh, flying spaghetti monster for, forbid, if I die uh, anytime soon, I want you guys to put my head in a spike while recording every episode after <laughs> my death uh, in the same room. <laughs> that would uh, it would be an inspiration to right. us all. Yeah. So that is basically the condensed history of Vlad the Impaler. Well, of That's... his life. Now, what about after he died? Well, yeah, there's that. But I would like to do a little science segment. Okay. okay. On how impaling works. Oh. Nice. Okay. First you're alive. I think, <laughs> I think I know how impaling works. Let's see how much I learned All in right. this segment. Impaling was, impalement, was one of the most gruesome ways of dying imaginable, as it was typically slow and painful. Victims sometimes endured for hours or days, <laughs> depending on how it's done. Vlad usually had a horse attached to each of the victim's leg. And a sharpened steak was gradually forced into the body. The end of the steak was usually oiled and care. Yeah, Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to hear any kind of squeaking. You don't want want any unnecessary friction. (laughs) And care was taken that the steak not be too sharp, else the victim might die too rapidly from shock. Ah, I see. Dying too rapidly. Mm -hmm. I would think that a nice, quick needle insertion that gets bigger would not shock me so much as trying to push a dull big hunk yeah. of wood well, through me. Well, Vlad had a lot more practice at this You're than right. you did. I do have to bow to his expertise. <laughs> Normally, the stake was inserted into the body through the buttocks uh, uh-huh. and okay. was often forced through the body until it emerged from the mouth. Yes. In now which case, I, I think it. you're probably dead. But yeah. yes, you I could insert it just... Now I understand the need for it not to be sharp because yeah. you want it to not pierce. You want it to go up through whatever's there. It has without... to go through all the entrails yeah. and that yes. squirrely, squirmy mass. Oh. Yeah, I'm guessing that uh, you don't. Uh, nobody was there with the steak coming out of their mouth, and uh, we're uh, still alive. Yeah. <laughs> I can feel it in my tummy. <laughs> However, there were many instances where victims were impaled through other body orifices or through the abdomen or chest. Yeah, that's really? kind of what I was thinking of was those. But Okay, so like ho- one's vertical, one's horizontal. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Just right. make a nice kind of artsy feng shui level. Yeah, of, you know, both effect. equally horrible. Infants were sometimes impaled on the stake force through their mother's chests. So double impalement. <laughs> the records indicate the victims were sometimes impaled so that they hung upside down on the stake. Oh, so they started with the mouth? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Man. No, no, Man. no, no. See, that one, I think you would live a lot longer than going through the butthole. I mm. think if you went through the mouth I don't hole, think so. No? I think you would stop breathing. 
He got a nose. Yeah, the steak is not. It's not a, like a pencil. <laughs> I was not. It's a big. I, it's a big fat steak. Yeah, I get that part, <laughs> but it doesn't hit anything vital till a lot further down. Like, you know, you go through mm. the butt, the butthole. Quick, you, call Doctor Rob. <laughs> Let's get an uh, expert. Get my phone. <laughs> Vlad Tepes often had the stakes arranged in various geometrical patterns. The most common pattern was a ring of concentric circles in the outskirts of a city that was his target. So you have a city. Yeah. Let's call that like X marks the spot. That's the bullseye. Okay. And he would ring the city with impaled bodies mm-hmm. and then have another ring a certain number yeah. of, of feet outwards yeah. and do another bigger ring That's around right. the same city. And he just was keep, really an artist. Yeah. Just keep erecting rings of impaled people yeah. until they opened their gates and said, uh, we give up because you're fucking crazy. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't, I wouldn't want to let the guy, like there would be more reason not to let him in. This is what I like to do out here. Yes. I can just imagine he starts staking people up and they come up. Stop doing that. Don't do that. Can somebody shoot him with an arrow while he's doing that? I, yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I would be kind of curious to like the, the, get into there with the people and go, hold on a second. He's <laughs> like, he's fucking crazy. There's no doubt about it. Are we better to hold, to try and hold out and hope that, you know, he just, I guess he's probably got away? like a crack team, like one army dude per, or maybe like two army dudes per impaled victim. Yeah, <laughs> they run in there. Out. One to dig the hole, one it's, to hammer it. Special impaling forces. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I can the, see that happening. <laughs> Instead of the green berets, they'd be like the the red underwears or something. Oh, yeah, they, and they, they just do like overnight, right? Oh yeah, they've they've got it figured out. They've, there's an assembly line hammering? operation. Yeah. What's that hammering? I can't get to sleep. All that hammering. It's like the scene in Monty Python and Holy Grail where they're building the. The giant giant rabbit. I think maybe the screams of agony might have been a dead giveaway, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. Well, maybe not dead giveaway because they, you know, it'd it'd be nighttime when they're doing it. Oh my God, my anus! What are you doing? Oh, not there! Oh, it's sliding slowly up my. Oh, and that's all you hear out in the darkness outside your city walls. Oh, so perhaps they thought it was just a party. They thought it was horrible, but they couldn't see it. Until oh. the morning, and then they see the guy there. So this really was psychological warfare. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the height of the spear indicated the rank of the victim. Oh. Huh. There was an actual system. Yeah. If you were higher ranking, did you get a smaller one or a taller one? You got a one? taller one. Oh. Because I'm thinking, if you're the higher rank, maybe you get a smaller one so you can kind of go tiptoes and be like... Eh. <laughs> give you a chance to, I to almost almost yeah, reach the ground, yeah, give you but trying to get down there impales it further into my no, head. No, 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 trying to like tippy toe up, like trying to like eat, 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 like almost like oh, I see. Heave yourself off of the thing, like give you kind of that like you know that tantalizing taste of success. I but, thought he was like trying to run away on his steak. <laughs> that too, Fred Flintstone. <laughs> <laughs> Thousands, oh, the decaying corpses were often left up for months. Of course. Thousands were often impaled at a single time. 10,000 were impaled in the Transylvania city of Sibiu in 1460. Okay. 1459 on St. Bartholomew's Day. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday. <laughs> Vlad III had 30,000 of the merchants and boyars of the Transylvanian city of Braslov impaled. Wow. Did they say why? Or it was just... 30,000. Uh, yeah. It's like 10 times the amount of people who died in 9-11. Yeah. 10 times. Yeah. And not just killed, but like each one put on a big mm. stake. Yeah, it's I, a lot I, of wood. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't even want to prepare 30,000 stakes. I don't even no. want to prepare 30,000 stakes if they're the stakes that go on a barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's true. Much it less true. ones that are going to have people tortured to death on. That they're going to be random. This is how I'm a good bunghole. person because I'm lazy. <laughs> I mean, I could make so 30,000 steaks you're, and you're impale claiming, people on them. You're claiming that you're... It's not that you're not evil. You're just too lazy to be evil. It's, yeah. so, much, it's so much easier to just be a good guy. You know what? Evil does take a layer, level of dedication. It's that, true. This is the one thing we haven't evil given. Evil is hard work. Evil is hard work. We have not given our yeah. entire series of uh, evil dudes throughout history. Enough credit for how much dedication they've shown to the evil craft. Correct. One of the most famous woodcuts of the period shows Vlad Dracula feasting amongst a forest of stakes and their grisly burdens outside Brazov while a nearby executioner cuts apart other victims. And we'll put that up on CausticSodaPodcast.com. I I have seen this woodcutting. Although impalement was Vlad Dracula's favorite method of torture, it was by no means his only method. The list of tortures employed by this cruel prince reads like an inventory of hell's tools. Oh. Nails in heads, cutting off limbs, blinding, strangulation, burning, cutting off noses and ears, uh, mutilation of sexual organs, especially in the case of women, scalping, skinning, exposure to the elements or to wild animals, and burning alive. Vlad the Impaler is pretty much just Ted Bundy born into the royal family. I guess so, yeah. seems that way. Like... With an unlimited supply. With a, yeah, and, and he doesn't have to rationalize or justify his actions. Well, he doesn't have to, but he does. He's like, no, I'm protecting you by <laughs> killing some of you to make everybody else freak out. Yeah, this is definitely uh, from Machiavelli's The Prince. It is better to be feared than respected. No one was immune to Vlad's attentions. His victims included women and children, peasants and great lords, ambassadors from foreign powers and merchants, maidens who lost their virginity, Adulterous wives and unchaste widows were all targets of Vlad's cruelty. So hold on. The punishment for losing your virginity was to get another foreign object rammed up your nether region? Ironic, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Such women often had their sexual organs cut out or their breasts cut off and were often impaled through the vagina on red-hot stakes. Oh, wow. Uh, one report of an unfaithful wife states that Vlad had the woman's breasts cut off, then she was skinned and impaled in a city square with her skin lying on a nearby table. Yeah. Nice, just in case somebody else wanted to wear it. So evil on a scale of 1 to 10? I don't think he could have done any more evil given the tools he had. Yeah, had. I mean, this is... Uh, this he's is... got the, the cruelty. Yeah, um, he's got yeah. the sheer numbers. Yes. Thousands and, he, and thousands. And he's got like the completely innocent uh, targets. Yeah. yeah. Boy, if it's not a 10, it's at least a 9, i got to say. I, I, mean, I can't imagine him doing worse... Un- without giving him more than he had at hand. This is do. this is Spinal Tap grade evil. He's turned it up to eleven. <laughs> turned it up to eleven. Yeah. yeah, I gotta say nine or ten. I gotta say nine and a half. I, I maybe there's something they could do to make I'm it. Trying a to 10. compare him with some of the other guys we've had, like Hitler or Pol Pot. See, like where where Hitler's a horrible, horrible human being, but at least to the like German people. He was like kind of this is well the non Jewish ones yeah you know like this is for Germany we're gonna do it for for us and he kind of treated them relatively well and Hitler remember the Hitler Ted Bunny debate Hitler never got his uh, hands dirty yeah right. right Vlad he sure did Vlad sure did Vlad is like yeah it's like what you said he's like Ted Bundy in charge of a country yeah. Yeah, I can't We're, imagine him in doing the Middle else. Ages when you know, as long as you were in charge of a country, wow. you could pretty much do whatever you wanted. But he didn't put people to work in rice fields to starve to death. You know, they that would die true. over the course of like maybe two days if they were lucky. He, yeah, he well, except for the boyars, he, he yeah. worked the boyars death until yeah. their clothes fell off. And but then those they guys working. were aristocrats. Come on, <laughs> they deserved it. Well, <laughs> aristocrats—people living in a city. <laughs> Did you in, just uh, say aristocrats deserved to be worked to death? Well, he's joking. <laughs> 
Sort of. Is he? Well, Torn's a bit of a communist, but he's also a total pacifist. So while he may feel like aristocrats deserve it, he doesn't actually mean it. Like, it's going to be terrible if we ever somehow, if Torn, if the thickets become rich, or if we somehow end up making I don't know money or something, and Torn becomes wealthy, he's going to hate himself. He's going to hate himself. So I'm not sure if he's as evil as Pol Pot. Uh, oh, I put him as more evil. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go more evil than Pol Pot, too. I think Pol Pot was, like, with the way he denied, he was like, I never killed anybody personally. And here's Vlad, like, being under house arrest and, like, grabbing animals and impaling them just to get it out. And, yeah, like, no, this dude, <laughs> this dude is a serial killer who somehow just randomly also got control over tons of people to facilitate his serial killing. Yeah, that's right. And then as soon as he... And he's killing his own people for completely ridiculous... Like, you lost your virginity. Now we're going to cut your <laughs> yeah, breasts off pretty... and shove a red-hot poker up your vagina yeah. until it comes out your mouth. Yeah. With the misogyny as well. Yeah, because I... Pol Pot was indiscriminate. It was men, women, children. Aside it from, didn't matter, right? Aside from just killing everybody... Like, just saying, I'm just going to make sure nobody lives here ever and everybody's going to die I'm going to commit slowly. genocide. That would, be, that would yeah. be like the 10, I guess, right? Yeah. The, so I'm going to give him the 9-5. I'm going to go 11, because outside right. of performing genocide on his own people, you know, he pretty much did absolutely everything else that he could possibly do, yeah. up to and not including that. Are we going to have anybody on our evil dudes in history who are, like, less than a 9? I uh, totally uh, <laughs> Rasputin. I oh, that's I true. Yeah, that's true. Rasputin. All right, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say nine point nine. Okay, for, for <laughs> just for that margin of error. With a, with just a, uh, because uh, for Vlad the Imperial. Just to admit that we don't know what maximum evil could be, and I, I see ten as like an ultimate. So yeah, but yeah, if somebody called him a ten, I don't think I would argue much against it. Yeah, this is horrible. You're gonna know what it means to be. culture what about bram stoker's dracula novel who's read it more than once it's kind of old-fashioned and yes. i had a hard time getting through it yes and as boring as the francis ford coppola movie is oh okay the book is kind of in the same vein now there's not so much impaling on it 
I no, in the drive. But I it, don't but think it is any. Vampire is based on Vlad the Impaler's life, right. or just his character, or there's a lot of discussion amongst historians about this. It seems uh, he originally wanted to call him Count Vampire. And, right, as in like a vampire, right? Right, but then he had done so, – uh, Stoker did – Bram Stoker, who wrote Dracula, uh, did some reading on Romanian history and found out about Vlad uh, Tepes uh, and the name Dracula, which as we talked about came yep. m- means the dragon. Or these days in Romania, it actually can also mean the devil. Uh, but that's oh. probably because I think it's morphed from the original meaning to right, yeah, to what it is today. To what it is now. There are some historians who think that th- there's not much that he basically just found the word Dracula and liked it and decided well, to choose it. Well, there's something to be said about that because Dracula does sound pretty cool. It, it right? does. Like yeah. if you're looking for some like a hook, you know, the, the bad name of your bad guy, right? Like you can't really do much better than Dr- Dracula. Like. It's pretty rad. But there are sections in the novel where Dracula refers to his own background, uh, and it shows that Stoker does have some knowledge of Romanian history. Yeah. And he also mentions that the Dracula fought against the Turks, that he was betrayed by his brother, and those very obviously point to, to Vlad the Three. So he's done at least some research well, into the history of And this. he sets it in Transylvania, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, right. you're, you're sort of, you know, you kind of... Now, did he plan, plot the book out and then found out about Vlad and kind of went, oh, let's I'll tailor this these, to yeah. like make him my bad guy? Or, you know, did he find out about Vlad and, you know, then was inspired to make this novel about an immortal, you know, uh, blood sucking bad guy who just so happens to be him like that? This was the logical extension of it. I, okay. I, I probably think probably the latter more than the former, like. You're going to come up with the idea of the vampire. The fact the original name for the character was Count Wampir. Right. Right? Kind of. Boring. <laughs> Ho hum. It's basically, yeah, I'm Count Vampire. <laughs> yeah, good one. A little on the nose there, pal. <laughs> yeah. Now, there was some, when I was doing my research on the history, there was some mention of things like him drinking blood of his victims or dipping his bread in the blood of mm-hmm. people who were staked. But that's it seemed to come across as not really necessarily true. true. Right. Oh. You know, throwing the whole like He probably oh. tried it, didn't really like it. Yeah. Well, I would imagine that if our if our supposition that he's Ted Bundy who was a head of state he probably might have been like, hmm. He might have done some showmanship. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. But I don't, I don't, he definitely didn't go around like slurping it, all the... Yeah, it wasn't, his, it wasn't his fetish. He was he was okay with it, yeah. Yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. You I'm sure he wouldn't shy away from it yeah, if somebody baby, suggested I'll t- it. I'll tie you up and spank you, but I don't get off on it. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll drink some blood, but, you know, it's not my thing. I like the impaling. Yeah. <laughs> the impaling I get off on. It's the screams. It's, it's the screams and the... Yeah, you know, when I drink your blood, the, I don't. I don't hear the scream. The book, you know, I mean, it's. A, uh, I think Joe's right. It's. It's. It's written like it's from the 19th century. It's not that easy to get through. Uh, I like it because I'm a big fan of vampire movies. It's my guilty pleasure. Oh, and so there's, you know, you can see where it influences like everything that's come after it. Right, and you've also seen the 1931 film the bell lagosi dracula mm-hmm. hey, hey how ironic that it's a hungarian guy playing uh vlad <laughs> vlad tefes right and was it a faithful adaptation of the book no 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 not at all what was the what were the differences francis ford coppola kind of quite accurately points out that the original dracula did not follow the template of the book all that closely right? okay and so that's why you know he claims that that was the catalyst for him doing this remake 
I mean, there's there's all the sort of like the big hot button like plot points, but the psychosexual element of it, which is present in the book and present in the remake, is not there. It's like sanitized, like okay. all the all the stuff that happens throughout the book with respect to his seductions and his uh, just the manner in which he interacts with his victims is toned down in okay. the Bela Lugosi version. He just pulls the cape over them. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, <laughs> you get the whole, like, biting in the neck and they swoon kind of thing, right? right? But it's sort of like, you know, it's the horror movie equivalent of Dick Van Dyke and Mary Tyler Moore sleeping in separate beds, right? <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Do you have anything to say about Nosferatu, the movie? Nosferatu, the movie, is outstanding. Is it actually also Vlad Tepe's Dracula-based? Uh, well, yeah, it's got an interesting backstory, too, like in you know, copyright law, actually, because uh, uh, Murnau, uh, the German director and auteur who made Nosferatu, wanted to actually do a Dracula movie, but he couldn't get the film rights. Oh, OK. So he pretty much stole the storyline of the book and then got, proceeded to get sued by Bram Stoker's widow oh i see and he actually lost and in fact the reason that there are so few copies of nosferatu for like decades upon decades was actually he lost the case and so all the copies in germany were destroyed oh really as a result mm. of the of the law case right yeah it was uh, filmed in 1922 and if you think about that oh the, so before even the bell lugosi one yeah like the um the book had only been written 25 years earlier the widow was alive like they were contemporaries practically right and yeah this was the first attempt at committing the dracula book to, to film, film oh. in nosferatu one of the reasons that the character is so bestial is was to try and differentiate it slightly from the book right and they, they he gave him a different name he wasn't count dracula he was count Count Orlock, right? But the plot, the storyline, is pretty much torn straight from the pages of the book, okay. right? And the other thing that he actually changed that was different in the book was Count Orlock was killed by sunlight, which was not, which was not how he was killed in the book. Oh, right? did sunlight just make him weaker, or he just didn't like to come out? He yeah, was a bit he, of a photophobe. Or? Yeah, a bit of a photophobe, <laughs> okay. and it's the uh, you know the stake in the heart and all the rest of that jazz. And I'll tell you, like even. Looking at the photo of Count Orlock in his all his makeup and prosthetics and stuff like that is creepy as hell. Sure. Like super creepy as hell. They used wires to make his eyes bug out. That's one of the things I heard. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, Murnau fashioned the Count Orlock look actually on rats. Right. Not bats or anything like more too romantic. thin fangs in the front That's rather right. than the usual. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I'll talk about the 1992 Francis Ford Coppola Dracula, which I watched again for this okay. episode. Okay. Starring Gary Oldman, Winona Ryder, Anthony Hopkins, Keanu Reeves, Richard Grant, Carrie Elwes, who mm -hmm. will remember from Princess Bride. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Tom Waits. Uh, did you know that Steve Buscemi was the first choice to play Renfield? No. no but Turned it down. Great. Oh, really? Oh, man. When I watched it at the time, I remember being impressed by how faithful it was to the book and right. yet how badly it failed on so many fronts. Yeah. I wanted to like that movie a lot more than I did. Nobody wanted to like that movie more than this guy. <laughs> yeah. All the stuff with Gary Oldman. Fantastic. Pretty much all you could hope for. Oh, that scene when yeah. he turns around, there's blood on the blade of that razor, and he licks yeah. it, and it's so creepy and weird. He was apparently really drunk when he shot that. Oh, really? <laughs> that scene. 
Oh man, I'll tell you, it was outstanding. Like you just you couldn't be creeped out more. They really he really focused on the impaling. That was really the Vlad Tepish story. Yes. Uh and I think we had mentioned that his first wife had jumped out the castle window. Right. In in real life. Yeah. And we had that scene where Winona's doppelganger, his his first wife had jumped out of the window because she got that message that Dracula was dead or whatever that had been shot through the window by the Turks or whatever. Yeah. But everything with Keanu Reeves it oh. spoiled it for me. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's so But luckily terrible. he's like you see he's not in the middle third of the movie or yes. like even the middle three fifths of the movie. Yes, it's true. Which is great. Yeah. <laughs> but then everything else it's just so bad. And Francis Ford Coppola has openly criticized his own reasoning for casting Keanu. Oh, wow. oh, really? Yeah, according to him, he needed a young, hot star that would connect with the girls. So he admits that he did yeah. that for that purpose? He made and a, that it and that failed. he made a bad choice. He yeah. made a uh, creative error. You really error. need to ride him roughshod then and get a good performance out of a bad... Well, here's the thing about Keanu. I don't think Keanu's all that bad. I think he's vocally terrible. Like it's If you can give him a part where all he has to do is move and yeah. emote, I think he does well. It's like when he speed. Opens, like speed. It's when he opens his mouth... That it's, you know, whenever you try to get intelligent words out of him, he doesn't sound smart. It's a terrible choice for this movie. I agree. For Dracula. But I'm of the belief that a good director using camera angles and whipping your actors to do certain things and to tell them, stop doing that, do it this way. I think you can get good performances out of almost anybody. Or if you pull a Stanley Kubrick grade, uh, you know, (laughs) terrorizing of your... Of your cast. Wouldn't that have been great? You know, method directing. Keanu Reeves yeah. into a good performance. <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing. I, he's fun to make fun of, and he's like an easy target. He's apparently a super nice guy. Yeah. Like, hey, you know what? So, I mean, I'm a super nice guy, too, but I'm right. not trying to become a matinee idol. But also, you know, if you tried, how well would you have done in that part? Better than Keanu Reeves, probably. Oh, that is... that. The challenge is on, my friend. <laughs> Let's call Francis Ford Coppola right up. <laughs> That's right. Dracula 2. If you had to make it over again... Would you choose Keanu Reeves or me? <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna. Later on, when we've got some time. I'm gonna point my iPhone at you, and you're going to recreate some of those scenes. Oh yeah, do an audition. Do oh, an hold on a sec. If taped I, audition. I'm not gonna get the same amount of months and years to prepare as yep, Keanu nope. would have been All given. Right, how much time do you want? <laughs> A year and a half. Okay, one year and a half. All right. Uh, You might know this, that all the special effects were practical. Well, you know what? What year did it come out? 1992? Yep. You know what? I mean, CGI was out there, but it wasn't as ubiquitous as it is now. Yeah. So that makes sense to me. Okay, October 29th, 2013. On the eve of Halloween. performs in Dracula. Nice. Let's do it. One thing that threw me off of this movie was that uh, Anthony Hopkins does the narration at the beginning of the movie. Uh-huh. And then he plays the priest yeah. who tells Dracula that uh, his wife's soul is damned. And Ooh. then you see him later as Van Helsing. And I hate that. I hate when they cast, unless it's part of the plot, yeah. that an actor is playing two roles. I just, that uh, always throws me off. Because well, I saw him at the beginning of the movie, and I'm like, what? Are they expecting that I can't tell that that's Anthony Hopkins? It's like Treebeard and Gimli. Oh, in yeah, Lord of the, the Rings. Voice, yeah. As soon as the Ents started talking, like, why did did not hire some other actor to do that character's voice? You know, I I seem to 
remember believing that those weren't two characters, that that one of them was like Van Helsing posing as another person. That would be weird because that was like 300 years prior. So it's basically this idea that Dracula, even though he's immortal, he keeps running into the reincarnations of the same characters over and over and over again, right? His wife is Winona Ryder. Yeah. And then he meets a girl who's the reincarnation of his wife, right? That Van Helsing is the priest and he meets a reincarnation of him. And like... You know, that they're they're played by the same actors because they're the same characters and, throughout time. And in film, you have to make them almost identical to get that message across. Yeah. If it was a book, he could explain, she looked similar, but I could sense her soul was the same or something. Yeah. But in a movie, they've got to use the same actor. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's. But what apparently I it didn't work. Yeah, so. well, obviously. I don't think it worked. <laughs> okay. You know, that also, too, the thing that I thought was really poorly done about this movie was when they have, like, the monster attack. Was it like a wolf creature or yeah, something? it was a wolf creature, and then it was like a bad creature yeah and it, when the wolf creature is attacking and it was all just done shaky cam and quick whip pans and stuff like, and i'm like this is what film students do to mask the fact that they don't have any money or time right, right. And i'm yeah. like francis ford coppola has all the money or and time in the world to shoot this <laughs> so why shoot it the way that people do when they have no money right. or time good soundtrack though oh yeah i don't remember the soundtrack uh, I watched Dracula Dead and Loving It. I remembered you saying you enjoyed it. 1995, more than you Mel Brooks. Oh, so it's a spoof. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Leslie Nielsen as Dracula, Peter McNichol as Renfield. Remember Peter McNichol? From, from uh, Dragon Dra- Slayer. Dragon Slayer and Ghostbusters 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Harvey Corman as Dr. Seward, the psychiatrist. I'm a big Harvey Corman fan. And Mel Brooks as Van Helsing. Not a great movie, <laughs> but several laugh out loud moments. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. There was a couple of dance numbers. Which is oh, always nice. good. Nice. <laughs> and for the scene in which Stephen Weber, who plays Jonathan Harker. That's the piano part. For the scene in which he puts a stake in Lucy's heart, Mel did not tell the actor that he would be subsequently covered in 200 gallons of blood. Oh, really? <laughs> so that his reaction would appear natural. So, yes, that would be a good way to get a proper reaction out of Keanu Reeves if he done that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Francis Ford Coppola should have taken the page out of Mel Brooks's, Mel Brooks's book. book yeah. So I guess I would recommend it if you don't have anything better to watch. Okay. It but, can be but these enjoyable. Days, in these days of terabytes and terabytes of media to watch. If you yeah. have the flu and it comes on yeah. the channel TV and the yeah. channel changer is out of your reach, so it would actually be more painful to reach for it right. than it would be to just watch it. Then watch it. Then Sometimes watch you it. just want to watch a dumb movie. Okay. That's true. And that's this is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the Count from Sesame Street. Right. <laughs> he must have had been in some movie, some Sesame Street movie. Yeah, but do you think that the Count from Sesame Street started out as Vlad the Impaler? And I like, think he did. And like devolved into a Count that I can't stop counting? I think somewhere there's a, uh, a forest of impaled Muppets <laughs> in one of the back lots of Jim Henson Studios. Well, they're all impaled by somebody's hand. That's true. That's very true. All the way up to the mouth. <laughs> Uh, so I rewatched the Buffy versus Dracula, which is the first episode of season five. It's very tongue in cheek, actually. It's, okay. Uh, Dracula finally shows up in Sunnydale. He's come because finally, finally. Yeah. Well, she's been killing vampires for four seasons. Right. right? Yeah. Okay. They haven't even really mentioned Dracula. It's almost been they they don't want to. Yeah. And then for some reason, all of a sudden, he's famous and real. 
unlike most of the vampires, he doesn't do the vamp face. He doesn't become kind of this demonic. Which is one of the things I hated about he's, Buffy. He's completely true to the icon of Dracula and that he's got the cape. He's oh, very right. pale skin. See, he's the Bela Lugosi yeah. Dracula. He's, he's a bit taller and a bit better looking and a bit younger and stuff like that. Yeah. But unlike the other vampires who are demonic and... <laughs> Or just regular people, right? When they're normally talking, yeah. he's very much Transylvanian, and I've come to find you a slayer. It's played by Rudolf Martin, who's a German Broadway and off-Broadway actor. I guess he's pretty good. I, I think he was given the line to seem kind of cheesy and yeah. pushing it, and you get some some uh, background from Spike, who thinks he's a big poser, and they kind of say he is a vampire, but he has other powers. Spike calls them oh, just gypsy tricks. Right. But he can totally, unlike the other vampires, can turn himself into a mist, right. uh, can turn into a bat, and I believe a wolf as well. Yeah. So he's got shape-shifting powers, which other vampires in the Buffy world do absolutely do not have. Does he impale anyone? No. As a matter Sad. of fact, he almost comes across as a good guy, sort of. He doesn't exactly go out of his way to kill Buffy. He actually could at one point because he has her under his mesmeric spell. Right. He's, he's, got, he's got mind control powers as well. He turns Xander into a Renfield-type character. Oh, yeah. Like Xander just accidentally starts calling him, my Dark Lord and Master. What does he do? You know, and then he starts eating bugs. He just can't help it. He sees yeah. spiders and grabs it and shoves it in his mouth and eats it. Yeah, totally so Renfield. They totally do a, a comedic turn where this supposedly big, evil, ultra-powerful vampire shows up, but then everything just gets goofy and funny. Right. It's a good episode. I don't think it's a great episode. I watched Deadliest Warrior, Vlad the Impaler versus Sun Tzu. Oh, yeah. How okay. I saw that one, too. It was pretty ridiculous. Yeah, it was. That was one of the very first ones where they went from just like a kind of soldier yeah, or kind of warrior characters. to specific one-on-one yeah. -on -one people in history. Spoiler right? alert: Vlad wins. Yeah, Sun Tzu was a tactician. Vlad, and was. then he gets impaled. Yeah, which yeah. is the best part. <laughs> and they, but the one of the good parts here is they have this full life-size ballistic gel. Yeah, and like they, over top of a skeleton, they show what happens. They when take they, a giant pole and wax it up oh my God. and shove it up the rectum yeah oh, wow. and then lift it up and you can see what happens inside the body because these ballistic gel bodies are see-through so you can kind yeah. of see what's going on yeah. in the internal organs as Ooh, it's happening boy. it's a good time it was a spectacle let's yeah, say that exactly. well maybe this is the time to, to do our lesser two evils Ooh, then. let's do all right so what are we going to do this impaling. time impaling so what are we going to do to like kind of match wits with impaling. I think we have to go for something that's not as horrible but lasts longer. So okay, that how makes about sense. taxes? Ta yeah. <laughs> Would you rather pay taxes? Libertarians yeah. do not apply. No. Uh, a weekend with my parents. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, how about the uh, method of human sacrifice of just leaving you up to die uh, on the top of a mountain? Oh, like the just, Aztecs just, did? Yeah, just get chained up on the top of a hill and you die due to the okay. weather and starvation. I think, and I think that was the Incas. Right. And presumably some birds and some jaguars are going to feast on yeah, you. Yeah, you, you have no hope of escape. You're chained up. Yeah. You're just going to starve die. and suffer and die. But it's yeah. going to take a week or two. Maybe you've got just enough water nearby from plants to eat. Yeah. Well, it is out. a very moist atmosphere. Right. Yeah. There's no doubt you're going to die. It's going to take yeah. a long time. It's going to be horrible. I seem to remember too in that discussion that they would take them up to a mountain because it was.
was very cold, oh, and okay. so that would make them miserable. Oh, and uh, that's weird. Exposure was right. part of the uh, of the killing of process. Of course, so cold you're probably... for people who live in Central America is probably not that cold <laughs> for so us up balmy. here in Canada. Okay, granted, granted. So, okay, so a week of wasting away and perhaps being eaten by birds and jaguars. Right. Versus... Being impaled up the rectum. Rectally impaled. Rectal impalement. Sliding down over an hour? How long does it take to slide? Let's say it takes an hour to to get to where you're going to die. A couple hours at most. And that's if you clench. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I'm going to start working on my kegels. Yeah. No time like the present when you're being impaled. (laughs) I can do it while I sit here. Uh, yeah, maybe you can snap off the the, the tip of the, <laughs> the tip and then just walk off. <laughs> Freedom! Yeah, the goatsy guy is totally going to win. He just opens right up, goes in. Eh, what? Nothing. This is nothing. Snap. Yeah, just pull. Got the... anything a little harder? Is that all you got, Vlad? Is that all you got? Uh, who's going to start? Uh, Joe is. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So an hour or two of just horrible up my butt, feeling my entire body split open rupture uh, versus a week of wasting away and yeah i think i'm going to choose the week of wasting away okay and only because the view will be nicer (laughs) you don't like looking at a bunch of other impaled people yeah at least i'll be up in uh, i'm not a huge nature fan (laughs) but when you compare it to being around a bunch of other people being impaled in transylvania dark mysterious horrible compared to you know a mountain overlooking the beautiful Central American or South American jungles. Uh, I mean, that's the only thing I can think of that's a plus. All right. Uh, I think I'm a relatively well-fed dude. Okay. Sure. So I think it's going to take me a lot longer to waste away and die than your average bear. Do you retain a lot of water? Yeah. Well, we're saying water is because you can die so quick from from dehydration. We're saying you're going to get enough water to to stay alive miserably. You just keep on licking your mustache. Yeah. Yeah, It will either be the biting by jaguar or the... It will do off the mustache survival trick. (laughs) Yeah. Well, because your breath will condensate in the mustache, (laughs) right? I think that that's one of the reasons that I shouldn't choose to be sacrificed by dying on the mountaintop because it will be an even longer agonizing process. Okay. For me. And conversely, your extra weight would make you slide down the spike a lot quicker. Yes. Yeah, so I, <laughs> I hadn't even thought of that. So I should actually choose the impalement, but I'm not going to, and Ooh. I'll tell you why. Oh. Because I'm flashing that wood cutting where you we see Vlad the Impaler having a sumptuous meal. <laughs> yeah, while, you don't want to watch that. And the, the, the fact that there's a chance. Because he, the, he smacks his lip. He chews with his mouth open. <laughs> That's torture. Because uh, if there's a chance that I'm going to have to look down on this jackass <laughs> while he's having like a steak dinner yeah. while I'm impaled on a steak. Oh, so hungry. <laughs> this makes also, it so much worse. Also, That's my right. butt hurts. Yeah. <laughs> my butt hurts real bad. Vlad, Vlad, could I have a buffalo wing before I go? That's what I'm going to choose, the exposure on the mountaintop. Just, just because I can't stand the thought of him like really rubbing my nose in it. Now, am I naked on this altar or rock face or I think, whatever? I think I'm, on both you are, yeah. You'll yeah. be naked on both. You'll be naked in both situations. <laughs> oh, both situations? Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, equalizer. Okay. Yeah. He's they not going to give you buttless chaps when he sticks the thing up <laughs> yeah. your butt. You've got to have your clothes off. He might yeah. not just be a no-pants ex- party. And when you're exposed to the elements, that means you are exposed tops to the Tops, no elements. bottoms. Could yeah. be yeah. tops, no bottoms. I could have my nipp- nipples covered. Oh, is that what you're really worried about? <laughs> that's, that's I'm okay with my modesty. My modesty, I'm okay guys. with being eaten by... Jaguars, as long as they don't start with the nipples. 
See, now, I usually go towards being having the chance of being eaten by wildlife. Right. Yes. So I'm kind of relating to what you, you're saying about the nice view. You hippie. I could, I could watch the jaguar eat me from the bottom. Right. But it is a long time. Yeah. And there's no chance of rescue. No, none whatsoever. You're going to die either way. God. <laughs> um, pick. You're going to pick. Four, three, two, one. Mountain. Mountain. Mesoamerican sacrifice. Okay. And why? And why, yeah. I just retreat into my... I, I mean, <laughs> I guess I retreat into my happy place on either situation. Yeah. But I can just think of all the imaginative scenarios I could do in a week as opposed to like three hours. Right. You could at least yeah. like I could, sing... I could plan a whole D&D campaign during yeah, that Yeah, you could time, sing right? some songs. And even though, <laughs> I could write some awesome music. <laughs> Nobody will ever hear. <laughs> yeah, write some awesome music in your head because it's not like you have a pen That's and paper. Fine. It's all for me. Okay. You'll sing it to the Jaguars. It's not for you, Kevin. <laughs> Is that a new Thicket song? The song that you sing uh, as you're chained up on a mountain about to die? That yes. should be yes. the, the song of the jungle. Get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's too high up here. I don't want to fucking die up here. Please make it stop. This scenic mountaintop. It's too high up here. I don't want to fucking die up here. Please make it stop. This scenic mountaintop. I used to fear the ancient anger would find That was before they dragged me up here to die It's too high up here, I don't wanna fucking die up here Please make it stop, this scenic mountaintop it's too high up here. I don't want to fucking die up here. Please make it stop. This scenic mountaintop. Ritual sacrifices all well and good. But looking back, I turn it down if I could. It's too high up I don't want to fucking die up here, please make it stop, this scenic mountaintop. It's too high up here, I don't want to fucking die up here, please make it stop, this scenic mountaintop. Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while being mentally controlled by a parasitic barnacle. To comment on episodes, make a donation, or see show notes, links, and videos, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Rate and review us on iTunes. Visit us on Facebook. Subscribe to our Twitter feed at Caustic Podcast. Email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. Stop.